Well, my, my name is Josh Wing, um, and I had an illness called Guillain-Barre syndrome. Um, it's French, um, and it's basically an illness that anyone can get at any time. No one really knows why it happens, but it's usually triggered by another illness, basically. And describe to me what sort of happened. How did you sort of come to this point where you had Guillain-Barre syndrome? Well, I started to, to feel ill um, just one day after finishing work. I felt really weak, really fatigued, more, more so than usual. Um, and I just thought I was coming down with the cold. It was that time of year. Um, over the weekend, I just started to feel worse in terms of my weakness. Um, I went to the, the GP late that week um, and had various different chats with people, different tests. And it turned out that I had glandular fever um, and they first diagnosed it as dehydration and that's why I struggled in terms of my, my weakness and my fatigue um, but that it progressively got worse very quickly within a few days I went from struggling to to move because I was so weak to the point where I wasn't able to walk so anytime that I'd stand up my, my knees would give way and buckle and I'd just fall to the floor so when I went to the hospital for the second time after I got told that I had glandular fever and dehydration um, I had to be carried into the back of a car, taken into the A&E, um, and then from there they, they did more tests and I was given the option to, and they still thought it was glandular fever and dehydration because they said the, the dehydration causes you to stop walking and that's what was happening, my, my legs felt heavy. Um, and I just, it was like, almost like they're made out of concrete, so I couldn't really move them. Um, and obviously, like I said, I couldn't even walk. Um, so they gave me the option, they gave me two options, you can either go home and see what happens um, and take some medication, paracetamol, like you would normally, or you can stay overnight um, and put onto a drip to help with that dehydration. I made the choice, I had a gut instinct, and I said, well, I think it's more than dehydration. I just thought that is the case. So I said, I'll stay for the night. 24 hours later, I was put on IVIG, which is the treatment for Guillain-Barre syndrome. And then what sort of happened from there? What sort of side effects happened? Like you can drink and whatever else? Yeah, I mean, the, it was the, the condition, it's short for GBS. Um, GBS basically just gets progressively worse before it gets anywhere near better. So within that 24 hours from deciding that I want to be put into a hospital ward and getting diagnosed, um, and they did various different tests. During that time, I went from not being able to walk at all to, to just not being able to move at all. Um, so it was a case of if I, if I needed to go somewhere um, I don't know, to have a wash or go to the toilet or something simple like that, then I'd have to be carried into a wheelchair um, because I, I just couldn't physically move any of my body. My limbs just completely gave up um, and it's because what happens is the immune system attacks your nerves and it attacks the sort of like, if you like, the cord between your, your body and your brain. And if that, if that disappears, then there's no connection between the two. So as far as I'm, I'm aware, the, the legs wouldn't move because there was no connection. Um, and that's why I started to feel numbness in my feet, pins and needles in my feet. I couldn't move my feet, couldn't move my toes, couldn't even wriggle the little toe or anything like that. My hands were weak and it was the same in, in, my, in my muscles as well, um, in my arms. Um, I, I just couldn't do any of it. And it, it, got, it, get, it starts in, your, in the furthest part of your body. So it was starting your hands and your feet. And that's when you start feeling pins and needles. And that was the early stages as well. Um, and eventually it builds up into the rest of your body um, and it, it sort of like can affect your chest, can affect your breathing um, and it 
means that you sometimes can be ventilated and put into intensive care because you stop breathing, you can't breathe on your own. Um, that bit didn't happen, but what did happen, it, it, it skipped that part of my body, so it, it affected my legs, affected my arms, it got into my face, so I couldn't eat, couldn't talk, I couldn't even close my eyes properly. So what happened at one stage is that when you close your eyes, your eye rolls back to the back of your head and you close your eyelids. My eyelids weren't closing because the muscles weren't functioning. So it was a case of I'd close my eye thinking it was closed and it would go dark, but all that was happening is my eye was just going back to the back of my head. So when it came to sleeping and everything, obviously I wasn't doing that. And if that isn't treated itself, then you could go blind. So what they had to do every night was to, to sort of tape my eye from the top of my eyelid down to my cheek every day, just so then I could actually close my eyes and not get any bacteria in that eye and cause an infection. And then you've been rather fortunate, I know it's going to be even fortunate in comparison to other people in the case of your recovery and the fact that, as you said, it didn't affect your breathing and ventilation. Yeah, um, it's a rare condition and it's, it's unlikely that it will affect your breathing, but it's, it's still a, a good possibility that it will. Um, and if it affects those muscles in your chest, um, then that's the reason why you, you struggle to breathe and you, you need the machines to, to sort of help you get through that. I, I think it's down to the fact that I got treatment pretty fast because I went from within a week from feeling the first symptoms and that was the pins and needles in my feet feeling weak and fatigued after work to seeing the GPs and then fighting my way through in hospital waiting hours in NE to eventually getting diagnosed with, with GBS and it's down to that the faster that you get it, get onto the treatment for it I was put onto the treatment before they even knew it was GBS just in case because the sooner you get it the quicker you recover and the less chance you will be affected in terms of your breathing. And now you're going through physiotherapy, obviously, so it's last session, but what sort of process was that of going back to walking again and eating and all that sort of stuff? It is triggered by another illness, and the issue with that is that not only are you dealing with your immune system attacking the body on its own, um, you've got to deal with that other illness as well. So glandular fever is pretty bad on its own. A lot of people have heard about it. Most people don't think they'll ever get it. I don't even know how I managed to get that but it is very, very difficult. You know, it's sickness, like I said, fatigue, um, and it's basically a, a horrible, horrible flu. It's similar symptoms to that, so I'm dealing with that. So I had to deal with that first medically before I was deemed fit enough to be transferred to Linden Lodge, which is the rehab center for people in my condition, where you're physically and medically well enough to start doing that kind of rehab. And that is a case of they, it, it, it stages, they, they, their aim is to aim one, is to get you to stand and sit up. Aim two is to maintain that stand because if you stand and then you fall that's no good so they, they have to support you in standing first. Second aim like I said is to stand on your own and to have that amount of time on your feet. Third aim is to start walking. Fourth aim is then to start looking at maybe you know you can start running and everything like that but you've got to remember that you've got to have like crutches and everything and when you do start standing um, just to aid you in that way. And then, obviously, Linda Lodge, great facility that's helped you with your process. They're fundraising as well, I understand, at the moment, to have a garden for people that are suffering as well. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great place. Like I said, they, it, it's a mixture of trying to push you as much as you can. Like, there was never, if I, if I could do something, and that, that was the thing with my condition, is that because I was quite young, I was quite active, and a lot of the activities and the exercises they get you to do, I could do not quite easily and it was quite strenuous for me to do but I could do it straight away um, and it wasn't a case of congratulations you've done stage one you know have a rest it was a well you've done stage one quicker than we thought move on to stage two and they 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 gave you the rest when you needed it 
um, but they they did push you and that that is the the kind of help that you need in this condition it's it's knowing what your body needs to do and they they always said if you ever go through pain that's not what they want because they they need to know how to manipulate the muscles into different places when you're laying in a hospital bed for 24 7 weeks and end your muscles tend to, to go in different positions and your body becomes unnatural in terms of the way like my feet were bent out and that was because i was my body wasn't used to standing or anything like that so they they have to find a way of manipulating the feet manipulating the body to the point where you're not in pain and you can do those things they want you to do so it's, it's a mixture of that and obviously knowing that you're, you're you're a human as well as a patient and they put that extra care in there to make sure that you you can have a bit of a joke from time to time obviously it's not a funny condition by any means but to have that sort of in a way banter with, with some of the, the patients and the other physiotherapists there it just allows you to feel more human again and then you're getting back onto the road to recovery now, you're walking again, you're eating, you're talking. Is it now just the case of building back that body mass and going to the gym and eating a lot more just to build up, basically to the point of where you were before this illness? Yeah, um, I, I mean, it's not a thing to brag about, but I'm proud of the fact that I have made, uh, officially according to the doctors at Linden Lodge, who deal with anyone in my condition with GBS in Nottingham, um, that I've made the fastest recovery from this condition that Nottingham's seen. And that is down to my age, it's down to the fact that I got the diagnosis quickly, the fact that I was quite healthy and active beforehand, and those three factors alone, and the fact that I was really determined to, to get through it. Um, those factors alone made sure that I made that fast recovery. Um, as you say, it, takes, it often takes months, it often takes years. Um, I, I still have some symptoms now, I have pins and needles in my feet now, my feet are a little bit numb, but I, I can walk, I, I'm starting to jog. Um, and that was unheard of. I mean, a lot of people are surprised. I've surprised the consultants um, every time they see me, you know, for an update. They're, they're surprised by how fast I've made this recovery. And it's not impossible. It's not because I'm a miracle child or anything like that. Um, it's just more based on the fact that, it, yeah, it's possible, but it's un it's not really seen. You know, the condition's rare, but it's even rarer to recover that quick. Um, so, it, yeah, it's a case of building that muscle mass because it's quicker to lose it than it is to build it back up so it's took me just a few weeks to lose it it's going to probably take me a good couple of months to, to get back to my full fitness where I'm playing football on a regular basis um, but I, I am walking and it's just a case of just going out to the shops and, and just little things like that that you do in your normal day-to-day -day life that will prepare you for going back into work and then that will prepare you to go back into playing sports and then you can start looking ahead for the future and what would you say to people that might fear they've got certain symptoms or whatever be persistent um, and just make sure if you feel like it is GBS. I mean, it's one of those things that not many people have heard of, even some doctors and consultants, and that's why I was passed from pillar to post in the NHS um, A&E, because it wasn't a thing to even consider. It's not like a, a common flu or something like that, where you can pinpoint straight away and you've got the flu. It was one of those things that was last on the list that they would look at. Um, and the longer, like I said, the longer you leave it, the worse it will get. So. Make sure you be persistent with the doctors. If you feel like you've got symptoms similar to GBS, um, just be persistent. Say, well, I think I've got it. Can you test me for it? The test isn't nice, really isn't. Um, and you do have to go for your paces, especially if you're afraid of needles like I am. Um, and you have to go through that, but it's worth it because if you don't, then the likelihood is that it will, it will cause more damage to you and, and there's less chance of you surviving and there's less chance of you getting the recovery that you need. Everyone's different and that's what makes it more difficult as well. Doctors can't say, um, and this is why it affected me as well, doctors always said, you'll get better, we just don't know when. 
because like I said it could take weeks, it could take months, it could take years. So yes it's different and yes it's going to be difficult to admit that you've got GBS but if you do feel like you've got those symptoms the sooner you do see someone the quicker you will make that recovery. And then very finally you mentioned about Linden Lodge building the garden, what sort of impact of that on patients allowing them to have to go outside and whatever potentially in the future? Well I think, I think it, will, it will be amazing. Um, I think that the, the issue with a, with a place like Linden, well it's not really an issue but you can you sort of understand why. Um, to have a garden at Linden Lodge, you're, out, you're outside, I know it's stating the obvious, you are outside which means there's going to be patients because IGBS, Linden Lodge doesn't deal just patients with GBS, they deal with patients with similar, well, similar illnesses and similar il um, injuries, some of which may have brain injuries and a lot of the patients may wish to escape, that's the reality. So health and safety reasons to just allow them to go out in the open wall of a garden, you know, you've got to have that security measure, you've got to health and, health and safety measures put into place to ensure that they can stay in those grounds safe and happy. And that obviously costs more money than just a standard box standard garden. So I think they're trying to raise 10,000 pounds. They've raised just over eight and a half thousand, so that they're not too far away. Um, and it's, it's a means of escape, you know, for someone like in, in my condition where you're trying to come to terms with losing your independence, losing your dignity, especially someone young like me, and then to be in, in a hospital bed or wheeling around in a wheelchair doing laps, and that's what I did to entertain myself, doing laps around Linden Lodge because there was nowhere for me to go. And when you're like me, who would go out to the shops, who would go out to work, who would play football, there's a massive jump in your life, and your life is put on hold. So to have a garden like that to go out in, like I said, health and safety put in there, you know you can relax, you've got that fresh air, because there there's literally nowhere to go apart from the car park. And at times I found myself sitting in a car park because there was nothing else that I could do to get that fresh air. And you need it to sort of mentally keep you going and to sort of reflect on the illness that you've got. And if you've got anything else you wanted to add? Um, well, it's such a complicated illness. Like I said, it affects all parts of your body. And because it does that, it's, it's difficult to pinpoint, you know, how long, like I said, how long it's going to take. Um, I guess I'd say that people need to accept and be aware of the condition more because yes it's rare but Linden Lodge for example has dealt with at least five other people in the last year with this illness and it's one in a, it affects one in every 100,000 people in the UK. Well if it's that ratio, Linden Lodge have dealt with five already and that's just five that I've met and talked to. There could be more for all I know. Um, so it, it's rare but people need to be aware of, of, of what happens, how to look for those first sort of symptoms how to deal with it and like I said acceptance is a huge thing that is the thing I would say is to accept when you're in these conditions and that's how I got better myself mentally to accept that I'm not going anywhere anytime soon all I can do is I can't stop GBS but I can fight it and GBS and this is this is my, my sort of phrase now is that GBS tries to fight you but you end up fighting GBS and that's so crucial to make sure that you do recover and because I've made such a fast recovery I'm, I'm trying to make a a positive sort of spin on one of the worst things, well the worst thing that I've gone through in my life. So I'm going to do fundraising, I'm going to set up Facebook pages, I'm going to go on social media, I'm going to speak to future patients in the future at Linden Lodge and sort of, I don't want to be one of those guys that, you know, look at me, I'm inspiration, but I, again, like I said, I, I did make the fastest recovery, so if I could help just one person to have that confidence as a young lad, 21 years of age, that played football, clearly has an active life, clearly wants to get on with it, then you can do the same.